and welcome to the podcast with me, the Pom, Mike Armstrong, and him, the convict, Ryan Garnsworthy. Ryan, how are you doing? Hey, thanks for paradise, Mike. Well, Ryan, after a little bit of a summer break, we are we are back. We're back with something new as well. We've got our very first guest today. I've done my usual. I've pulled some of the stats. Do you want to? Do you want? Should we do a bit of a comparison between where we've been getting our listens? Yeah, go on. All right, Manchester versus Melbourne. <laughs> Manchester versus Melbourne. Yeah. Manchester, fifteen in like in basically like fifteen downloads in the last thirty days. Yeah. Melbourne, 16. Oh, come on, the Aussies representing. However, when you compare, two-thirds of our listeners come from the UK, so the Aussies still need to pick up their game a little bit. Uh, um, maybe it's all the family back home in Melbourne. <laughs> yeah, probably, probably. But uh, but no, it's good. You know, I think we're, we're averaging about 50 people an episode, so if you are listening on a regular basis, we, we really appreciate that. And, yeah, you know, big thumbs up. up. Thanks very much. really changing topics today we're looking at coaches roles and responsibilities and we mentioned the guests because I think it's really good to get a a current player's perspective on a a very specific kind of coach player role which I and I think you've probably done it as well right is yeah really really challenging long time ago long time ago though yeah so be good to get good to get that in obviously other kind of different hats that the coaches wear you know anything from head coach assistant coach School coach, obviously, new role for yourself as well. Things like sports specialists and that um, specialist coach, which is really taken off in sport at the moment, isn't it? Fine tuning and getting getting to grips with a specialist area within within a sport and sort of trying to progress that a lot. No, that's a big topic at the moment. I think we can dive into some of those bits later. I'm I'm just super excited to get our guest on. I'm sure he is excited to be jumping on with us as well. So without any further ado, welcome our first guest onto the Pom and the Convict. It's Mr. Edward Loveland. Hey, Ed, how you doing? Oh, thanks for having me. Favourite podcast out there, I'll be honest. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Saying all the right things already. So, Ed, just, just for the uneducated, who are you? What do you do? Where have you come from? So I started playing lacrosse at Timperley. I had quite a traditional uh, entry into lacrosse playing as a as a young kid. Moved my way up through the juniors at Timperley. And then after after school, went to university, started at Newcastle, played there for three years, one COVID year in the middle. So two years effectively. Went on for an extra year at Nottingham Uni and then now moved back to Timperley um, and a part of the, the first team squad there, full circle in the end. And you're back at Timpley in a bit of a hybrid player coaching role as well, aren't you, at the moment? Uh, recently appointed as as captain of the first team um, in a very young young and developing team. So um, we've got a, f- a number of leaders who are having to uh, take control without a coach this season at Timpley, which will be interesting to see how it goes. But got a strong set of leaders to hopefully develop this young team and get back to where, to where Timpley used to be, hopefully at some point soon. Mikey, am I right in thinking that I was player coach when you were playing at Timpley? Were yeah. you player coach when Ed was playing at Timpley? Yeah, the nod's coming up as well. So there's a little bit of a sink here, isn't it? We've all, we've all got yeah. it. Yeah. So in terms of 
your exposure to kind of being a player coach? I assume you probably did a little bit up in Newcastle as well. That was the main place where I did it. It was a completely player-run society. So when I arrived in first year, um, our coach was just the captain of the team, someone who had been playing for two years of lacrosse, which is very impressive in itself to be then leading a team. And then I took on the role in my second year and then going into third year. And it was it was a difficult role. I had um I was really thrown in at the deep end of no coaching experience prior. Um and the group I was dealing with had abilities from never played lacrosse before to people pushing for international squads. Ed, you talk about sort of thrown in the deep end there. So obviously you're you're a good player, you're a really high level player. How do you adapt from that playing uh, ability to having never had any coaching experience and have to turn that into sort of um, coaching and, and leading the team? Well, I think about the, the first session we had for a fresher taster session. So we've got 20 new players all turning up with 20 identical sticks pulled out of a cage for them. And I'm standing there having to teach them how to pass and catch. I've not got a clue what to say to them. So it's something I've been been doing since I was six. So 15 years later, I'm then thinking, how do I actually explain to someone how to pass and catch a lacrosse ball? So it was really a bit of thinking going on how to how to explain it to a complete beginner. And that was, yeah, that was a bit of a shock to the system. What did you draw on? Resources or was it just a drawing on experience, how you've been coached? What got you out of the deep end? Especially at the beginning when it was completely brand new players there was there was two or three of us who had who had played before and played for a number of years and we we got together and we had no no help coming from anyone above us um so we really had to just almost get back to the drawing board and think how do we do this um teaching them because as, as a small society at university we've got to keep the players entertained and yeah you've got got your Wednesday socials and going to the pub during the week. But if no one actually learns how to play lacrosse, they just go join join a rugby society or the football one where they know what they're doing. So it was was important to keep them engaged with the lacrosse as well as the social side. In those training sessions and the, the cold and the dark winters that you get up in Newcastle, you know, what was key to keeping them engaged? Um I'd say we made the the fresh is really the focal point of the training for the first few months. So the more experienced players in the team, we just had to take a step back and say, look, we're not we're not going to learn anything for a few weeks, few months, until these players are in, are engaged and are up to an ability where we can then start to teach them more about the intricacies of lacrosse. Uh, we did a um, a bit of a, a podcast uh, um, to drill or not to drill, and we sort of debated in and around the right times to do drill and the right times when you sort of do more open open end practices. What would you say you did in the first those sort of beginning stages when they were completely fresh to lacrosse? It was absolutely basics. It was like it was like teaching um like a, a six or seven year old how to play. You know, talking everything, stripping it all back to the basics this hand goes here you step forward with the with this foot it was it wasn't ever are oh, we going to play 6v6 see how you do around the goal didn't do that for weeks because mm. 
we had um, four or five weeks until the first game of the season. So I remember just thinking, we'll leave that last week to actually teach them the rules and where they've all got to stand on the pitch. Uh, week before the game, it was, all right, you stand here, you stand here. Uh, <laughs> and up until there, it was just all passing and catching, running, even running with the ball. That was something I, yeah. I remember I didn't tell anyone about that until about two weeks in. And they, when they say, right, just everyone run down the end of the pitch with the ball, they, they all look like they've never walked before. And I don't think, <laughs> I've never actually taught them how to do that. So I'm wondering, how'd the, how'd the first game go? Um, I actually refereed, so this was the, the first twos game we had, so this was a complete 12 players who hadn't played before, and I had the pleasure of refereeing um, a good one-all draw after 60 minutes. <laughs> um, it's a tough watch, but only upwards from there, so uh, got things to come out of it. I guess from a more practical standpoint, because obviously you, you were a player coach, how did you find kind of wanting to train and coach and having to wear those different hats in a session. I know me, myself and Ryan have said we, we have worn that hat. I, find, I certainly find it very challenging to be able to flip in between being the, the guy having the conversations as well as having the expectation of what I've got to do with the ball and a stick and that type of thing. So how, how did you find that as a, as a first as well? Um, it was a struggle because obviously during this season, this was at a time I was training for the under-21 Worlds and I wanted to be pushing myself to get better, to get in the squad, get in the starting lineup. Um, so the whole, all this, all these trainings where I'm just coaching and I hardly pick up a stick. Um, I'm thinking, oh, I need to be getting on with my own stuff. Um, so then, as as the weeks progressed and we could start doing trainings, actual lacrosse practices. This was when I was able to actually train with the team myself because of the couple of other experienced players we had. Say we're doing a four on three, have seven freshers go in and then the seven more experienced players who have played for a number of years. So eventually once once we got into the swing of things, we were able to have almost separate sessions, one after the other, alternating in drills. You were flipping. You almost gave yourself two roles and responsibility there, really, didn't you? You're flipping from the player within the session into the coach into the session that was that's that's really different to the way I I tackled it and maybe because I did it in a non-university setting I was playing with more competent players i.e Mikey at the time I completely withdrew myself from the practice a lot of the time I can remember not getting any reps in at all whatsoever and just really sort of focused on that responsibility of of coaching to make sure the session runs so I mean, that must have been tough to be able to, to, to do both in the one session. It just, um, yeah, I meant it. I just had to go do my own stuff in my own time. And I was fortunate enough to have access to the pitch when I wanted it, um, which was lucky because otherwise I would have would have almost not played lacrosse for two months at the start of the year, effectively, mm. um, which is no good, no good going forward for anyone. So I was quite lucky to have, have my own time. Come game day, how did you split the job up? So um, we had the ones and the twos team. Unfortunately, the twos team did sort of get, you've got to do your own thing if I'm not there, um, which they were fine with because all these players are more there for the social aspect. But even on the one on the ones team, we had half people who had played before and half completely new players. 
when we won the cup final, we had eight freshers who had never played six months ago on the team, wow. which very impressive. Um, so during the games, we had a very easy league. There was one team that was a good match. So again, it was a similar thing. I would spend most of the time on the sideline actually coaching instead of myself playing. Um, and then the one tough game of the season, well, the one tough team, home and away, I would then I would then play. A lot of time on the side for me during that year. Uh, so, yeah, big change. It was a big change. I think it'd be fair to say myself and Ryan know you a little bit as a player. So how did your coaching experience then impact you as a as a player at a high at a high level? Did it give you a different perspective on the game from a from a purely playing perspective when that was your chance to purely play? Uh, yeah, I do. So even when I did come on the pitch in these games, I was still thinking about things from a completely different perspective. So obviously I've taught these players where to stand, how to dodge. I'm thinking, why why am I not doing that? Why am I doing something completely different? So it did give me a completely different perspective. And I'm I'm sure as a coach of a higher level team, you start thinking the same things. It's you gotta strip it back a bit. You can't always just go to the uh the most advanced parts. There are the basics still need to be looked at from a team working together to to uh to the the little the niche bits of stick work, for example. Exactly what you're saying there is that you know you've got to practice what you preach as well as a more so in a, a player coaching role versus what maybe a traditional coach in a purely coaching role will have their principles. So it's, it's it's interesting how you found that aligned. So where does it put you now? You're back in that position with maybe more experienced guys who do know the game, but they're also still looking at you to to lead and and to to provide that player coach support well first of all it's so much more fun playing with uh turning up to training with 15 players who um who can pass and catch i've not got to teach them that that's that's a nice change but again it's still if we're talking through a new new formation new man up play still got to explain it from the basics so all coming together to try and then learn the exact the same thing i still think starting from the basics has been very useful so we, we talk a lot about session plans and one of our podcasts, another one was how developing a session plan and sort of what you, you put in it. So how much thought do you put into your, obviously you, you, you've got full-time employment as well and how much time are you able to put into these sort of session plans? Right now, just winging it, to be honest. Got, got a group chat with uh, three other people on the team who we're thinking, what do we want to work on in the session? Obviously, we had our first first game last Saturday, pre-season match. So now we've got more more obvious goals of what we want to work on. But it is just a case of all week, to be honest, just bouncing ideas in the group chat. You're not really winging it, are you? You're having a good old conversation beforehand. Yeah, little bits, little bits. So I guess the final question that I've got, at least anyway, is has it, has it whet your appetite to actually coach? Or has it completely put you off? I think um, I mentioned that winning the cup final with with eight complete beginners on the team, it was so rewarding. I mean, obviously, that playing career won, won a fair bit in my time, but I actually do think that that feeling of when one of the freshers scored in the cup final, just seeing him 
how bad he was six months before to actually score him was uh, was such a nice feeling. So it's, yeah, it's definitely still there. But um, I think now, while I've still while I've still got a few good years ahead of me, I think uh, might might focus on the playing aspect for a little while. Yeah, don't coach too washed up like us, mate. Yeah. Got plenty of time for that in the future. <laughs> you probably really struck what most coaches would say is the reason why they coach is because they, they like to see that reward in other people and their whatever small part that they've played in that journey to 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 support that, to support you know where those people end up. And taking that into the workplace as well, I think will be pretty mega. Oh, that's how I got the job. Interview sounded a bit like this as well, just rambling <laughs> off the stories. Ed, you can you can stick around for some entertainment if you want, or you, or you, or you, or you can actually go watch some proper entertainment like Netflix. <laughs> I'll see. I'll go see what's on telly. All right, thank <laughs> you. Mass, mass appreciation. Your royalty check will be in the post when we get over a uh, hundred thousand downloads. Cheers, Ed. Bye. Bye. There's some good stuff from Ed there. Yeah. Just another perspective as well, isn't it? Yeah. So for me, it's the complexity of all the different things that he needs to think about the, the whole time. You know, never having been taught how to coach or never done a coaching course and drawing on you know, people skills and that type of stuff, which obviously you just had to had to learn from scratch. And, and well, and and self-sacrifice. I think I found that really interesting, just him having to sacrifice himself at a, point, a pretty poignant point of his playing days as well. Mm. And kind of looking at that for the betterment of others, start looking at what he was doing was to, to better other people's experience. Yeah. You know, he, he obviously had to do that and, and make those decisions himself. What was he going to be on this day? What was he going to be on that day? And that goes into any team, doesn't it? It's that roles and responsibilities um, that any team, any good, well-functioning team has. He almost had to do that within himself. When you talk about roles, responsibilities, straight away, I I come back to some of the conversations that we had a number of years ago within the coaching team you headed up to make sure that we all had our own roles and responsibilities within the coaching team so we knew what we were doing. And it, I don't know where where your thinking behind that came because it's something that I'm experiencing right now. Building out a, an under twenties coaching team is actually trying to identify people's strengths and what their potential roles, responsibilities are, and what also their ideas of those roles, responsibilities are. Well, for me, it was about maximising everyone's enjoyment, and I, and when we sat around the table the first time and started discussing about our roles and responsibilities and who was going to do what and who was going to look in what areas. Uh, I really wanted us all to to have our, and you mentioned it there, to have something within our strengths and something that we felt passionate about that we took control of within, on game day but also within practices and practice designs. Um, so it was I, I didn't want to dictate what we were going to do because I felt we all work really well together. Um, so actually to to ask you guys what you wanted your role and responsibility to be or at least what you thought it would be um, and understanding your expectations was where I really wanted to start the conversation. Um, you know, blew my mind where the conversation ended up and, and how we ended up 
talking about how we were actually going to work together. But, you know, just through trying to establish those roles and responsibilities between us as a coaching team, uh, it led us to talk about how we were going to best get the performance out of ourselves. It's one of those things that, from a pure coaching perspective, you ask players about their roles and responsibilities. Again, it's like drawing that parallel with Ed is almost like asking himself mm. and as, as coaches asking ourselves, well, what's my role responsibility and w- almost wearing different hats at different points. And, you know, I know, as you'll agree, like I think you said chatting to Ed that you're, you almost like took yourself out of the, out of the training session when you were a player coach. I think I was the other extreme, actually. I think I yeah. was very in the session and trying to direct traffic whilst being in the session. Um, and you know, game days specifically, I remember that and it, it it being super challenging and and actually maybe having that devolved split role responsibility might have helped me in that situation potentially. Yeah, but then it may have given you the experience because you were practicing that way and you were a player coach. So when it came to game day, you had to you had to be involved, you had to be playing, and then you you had to be also coaching as well. So yeah, I don't, you can you can cut it so many different ways, but I think as as long as you sort of understand what it is you're doing at that time and why you're doing it, I think we generally be all right. It's maybe finding what works for you, then, isn't it? It's yeah. finding that that balance, that yin and yang within your coach player role and you know what 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 works best for you because what works well for for Mike Armstrong might not work great for Ryan Garnsworthy, which works completely different for Ed Loveland, and it just morphing into well, that's my this is my because all all coaches are different, so all player coaches should be different as well in that respect. Yeah, and it's, this I just want to touch on one thing that I, I was sort of hearing from Ed. Um, and I was trying to draw out of him what skills he was using to try and um, to deliver this coaching because he openly said he had no experience in coaching before. Um, and knowing Ed and knowing him as a as a leader of of young men as well, and hearing him talk tonight, it's clear that he used really good, solid, you know, people skills. And I think if there are any young player coaches out there that are heading off to university. Um, maybe embarking on something similar and they don't have those coaching experiences, look to other experiences that you've got in life and, and how you communicate to people. And I think that's going to put you in a, in a pretty good stead. So come on then, Ryan, I'm going to put you on the spot. Hot takes for tonight. What, what, what's your, what's your takeaway? Oh, Ed's done a pretty good job of um, summing up roles and responsibilities. And it just for me, it really, whether it's a playing unit and the players having their roles and responsibilities or whether it's a coaching unit having their roles and responsibilities or whether you're a one-man band, you still need your roles and responsibilities and you need to understand what you're doing, why you're doing it. Um, as yeah, that's my hot take. What about you? I'd say for myself, it would be, something that maybe sometimes as coaches we lose sight of and that's the why we coach and I think obviously in when Ed was explaining that he almost like fell into that role um, and it wasn't something that he necessarily put his hand up for directly and said yeah I want to be the player coach but actually when he was saying that you know the the lad that he'd coached up from from zero to 
to cup final hero and scoring a goal and you know the reward that gave him empowering somebody's journey I think is is, is pretty cool and the fact that a player coach in such, at such a young age can kind of recognize that I think that was that was really powerful and I think again just as, as maybe experienced coaches just not not lose sight of, of some of the successes that aren't necessarily winning games and and, and picking up trophies but part of delivering a process and, and uplifting people. I know he's he's not going to coach anytime soon, but uh, he's still got a lot of playing days. But I reckon he'll make a great coach um, in in years to come. No doubt. Well, I think um, we've we've had our summer break. We're probably going to be looking at like half term next, aren't we? In terms of maybe a, a record or something like that. It's good to get back, and I think it was great to get a guest on. Uh, we, we've tried to line him up a few times. Should we blame Ed? for the delay because it was his diary that we've been trying to align and, and not our own. Oh, <laughs> uh, we, yeah, we could throw it onto him, but well, we could just say we had a good summer. <laughs> yeah, too right. Well, right. First guest, I thought that was really, really interesting. Uh, massive thanks to Ed for coming on. Absolute pleasure. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll pick up again mine. soon. <laughs> See you soon, mate. Bye.